Mark chapter number 3, we're going to be there, and then we're also going to be in Galatians chapter number 6. But I want to read two passages of Scripture this morning, um, just to kind of set, um, set the tone and, and, and uh, uh, set the atmosphere, if you will, for what God would have me to speak to you today. Mark chapter number 3, I'm, I'm just going to read some excerpts here from, from verses 1 through 5. It's not going to, I'm not going to go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, I'm just going to take some um, uh, short and condense it a little bit so you can kind of get the gist of it, the meaning of it. So if you want to follow on the screen, you can. Verse number one says this, that Jesus went into the synagogue. Now let me just explain, a synagogue is, that you could say it like this today, it's, for us, it's Jesus went to church. Jesus went into the church again and notice a man with a deformed hand. Now it's very important to understand this man with a deformed hand or with a withered hand was in the church. Very, very important. Uh, verse number three, Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Verse number five, then he said to the man, I want you to hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and what happened to his hand? His hand was restored. That word is very, very important, which means that to restore something means you're, you're bringing it back to its original function, which means that this guy had originally had a, a hand that wasn't withered. His hand was fine. But something happened that caused his hand to become deformed or become withered. But Jesus restored that hand. Now go with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the church of Galatia, and he says this. He says, brothers and sisters, he's not talking about his brothers and sisters and his immediate family. He's talking about Christians, fellow Christians. He says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should do what? should restore that person gently. Now this, honestly, I do not know if I have, and I know there's been messages preached on this, I do not know if I have ever heard a message taught on this subject that I'm about to teach you this morning. I, I want to look at the commandment to restore one another. That as Christ followers, we should be restoring one another. When we know that there's a believer who's caught in sin, when we know that there's a believer who's struggling with temptations, who's going through some difficulties that he's fallen victim to, we as fellow Christians, our responsibility is to restore our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want to pray this morning before we get into this. I want to pray that God would speak to us and really help us to grasp a hold of what He wants to teach us this morning. Father, I thank You so much, first of all, God, for... For the breath that is in my lungs today, God, I thank you for the privilege that I have to be able to have life. And thank you for the honor, Lord, that I have to be able to teach your word today. God, I know that nothing that I say today that comes from my own uh, thinking or my own uh, creativity in my brain is going to change people. God, I know that only your word has the power to change lives this morning. So God, I ask that as I speak, Lord, that you would just anoint this mouthpiece. Lord, anoint me to be a teacher of the Word. God, just as you have spoken to me this week as I was preparing for this, just as I felt your Holy Spirit moving upon me, God, as I was prepping these notes, I pray that that same Holy Spirit would just be upon my life today, Lord, to be able to communicate to your people, God, what it is that you want them to learn. And I just pray that we would be open and receptive. God, I pray for every barrier that we may have walked in with today would crumble at the feet of Jesus and that we would be ministered to by your word and by your spirit. 
And we thank you, God, for how healing is going to take place today, God. How people are going to walk out of chains and strongholds and barriers in their lives, God. And they're going to be restored, Father, to a, to a right relationship with you, to a full experience of the power of God in their lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Restoring one another. I just want to start by saying that I believe that there is a, a, a huge misconception in the Christian community today. And that misconception is this. That once we give our lives to Jesus Christ, that all of our problems go away. That, that once we become a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, that all the temptations that we once struggled with will no longer be a struggle for us anymore. That there will be no more problems. There will be no more hardships. I mean, sin won't even, won't even affect us anymore. Temptations won't even affect us anymore. If you're a guy and you struggled with lust or pornography, those things will no longer even have an effect on your life anymore. We have a tendency to believe that, that once we give our lives to Jesus Christ, that everything is just going to become smooth, that there's going to be this, this golden highway, if you will, rolled out in front of us, and we're going to be able to walk, and, and nothing shall be able to cause us to compromise, or cause us to be able to struggle, or cause us to have doubts, or cause us to, to give in to uh, temptations or addictions, that everything is going to be grand. And if we do face hard times, we're just going to fly through those with with ease. Well, I want to be honest with you this morning. I want to be very real and candid with you today and, and just let you know this, that, that life as a Christian can be extremely difficult. Life as a Christian can be extremely challenging. And let me tell you why. Because you're in a fight. You're in a battle. Your, your spirit, which is the part of you that connects with Jesus when you get saved, is the part of you that gets made brand new. Your spirit wants to follow the things of God because now you're a child of God. But that spirit is now at war with, or in a constant battle with, or a constant fight with, your flesh. Which is the natural part of you that wants to do the things that are selfish. That wants to do the things that are gratifying to self. Which are contrary to the Spirit. Are you following me? When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, it's not that we didn't have problems before, but now when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, now it opens up this... This ring, if you will, of a, of a battle that opens up this, this spiritual warfare now between, between the life of godliness that the Holy Spirit wants us to live and this, this life to satisfy the flesh, which is what our natural man craves. So we're in this, we're in this constant struggle. And sometimes you find yourself, and it's, it's interesting that next week we're going to start a, mess, a series called Seasons. Sometimes you find yourself, you're just, as a Christ follower, man, you're just in the zone. You're just, you're daily in the Word of God. You're in prayer. I mean, if someone says, hey, I'm going through a hard time, I mean, it doesn't matter where you are. You're going to stop. You're going to pray for them right there. You're going to lay hands on them, whatever. I mean, you are just, you're walking in victory. Nothing bothers you. If temptations arise, you just, well, I just rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm resisting the devil. He's fleeing from me. I'm submitted to God. I mean, you're just on fire. Are y'all following me? And then there's other times where it feels like that we're just stuck in a rut. And I mean, we're in a battle. Things are hard. 
Those temptations didn't used to affect us like that. And now, they're, now, now it's like I'm prone to this. It's like, man, it's hard. I'm trying to fight this, this battle and I'm really struggling. It's hard. I just don't have the passion to get up and read the Word of God today. I just, for some reason, when I try to pray, it feels like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. I'm just stuck. I'm having a hard time. And sometimes when we're walking through those seasons, we start to wander away from the truth. We start to drift away from the life of godliness that, that He has for us. Dysfunction begins to unfold in our family. Stress begins to happen in our marriage. Temptations that we once were overcoming, they're now getting the best of us. And what happens is, is during those times, we find ourselves as Christians just going through the motions. As though that everything is okay. Because after all, I mean, you know what? We're Christians. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be warriors. Nothing's supposed to be pulling us down. We're supposed to be on top of the world. We're supposed to be, uh, you know, having that, having that look about us that just looks like that we're just dominating. But we're struggling. Struggling with hurt, struggling with habits, struggling with addictions, struggling with temptations. Some of us, we come into church and, and though we look good on the surface, we're, we're, we're dabbling in sin. We're, there's these secret sins that if anyone knew about, I mean, they, it would just destroy our reputation. And, and sadly, church, church, everybody say church. Sadly, church has become this, this place to where we feel like when we come to church that we have to um, appear like or act like or look like that we have it all together. You know, because after all, we have a reputation up. Oh, we're Christ followers. Straighten up. You know, every, you know you're just having an all-out brawl in the car with your family on the way, but, but something happens when we step out of that car and everybody, you know, shape up and, and look right. We're going to church. We've got to leave all this dysfunction out here. We'll pick it back up on the way home, but, but right now we're in church. And we pretend like everything is okay. And we walk through those doors and we sing the songs and we shake hands and we smile and we make small talk. But we walk right back out those doors with the same hurts, with the same addictions, with the same temptations, with the same secret sin. Because after all, I mean, you know, we don't want anyone to know that we're struggling. We don't want anyone to know that we're hurting. We don't want anyone to know that we're dealing with this stuff because I'm supposed to be strong. I'm a Christian. And just like the man in, in Mark chapter number 3, we, we, we come to church with our, with our withered hand. But we come to church with our deformed hand, but, but we keep it so deep in our pocket, hoping that no one will see what we're really dealing with. And so we pretend. Like life is grand. And, but, but, but deep down inside, when we get back home, when we walk out those doors, we've we still got this withered hand. We, we've still got this secret sin. We've still got these problems. We've still got these addictions. We've still got these strongholds that we're, that we're dealing with. But we can't let anyone find out, Pastor Jerry. I can't let anyone know that I'm struggling with this. I can't let anyone know that I'm in this fight. Because after all, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to be having these issues. I just, I just feel like that, that the Holy Spirit wants me to help alleviate some of the pressure and the pain that you're struggling with to try to perform this morning. 
to help alleviate maybe some of the pressure and the pain that you're feeling of, of, of trying to uphold a certain image or, or trying to, to maintain a, a certain appearance as though that, that you've got it all together. Man, you are just... Pre- Matter of fact, I, and I'm not saying this about the people that didn't come to church today, but, but, but I would be lying if I didn't say that there were some people who aren't here today or are at any church for that matter because they're struggling with some things and they don't want anyone to know what's going on in their lives. But the thing that I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you today is that, that, that we are all broken people. We're, we're, we're all broken people that are in need of God's forgiveness and God's mercy and God's grace. And there, there is not a single one of us in this room there's not a single one of us who will watch this online who is perfect. That we're, that we're all in need of God's mercy every single day. All of us sin and fall short of God's glorious standards. All of us have our shortcomings. All of us have our struggles. And none of us, everybody say none of us. None of us as brothers and sisters in Christ are immune to falling or failing. None of us. You may be in a season right now where you think, man, I'm on top of the world. There's no way that I would fall victim of that. But just like the seasons that were series that we're going to start next week, we all go through moments where it feels like, man, whatever I was doing last season doesn't seem to be working this season. And the temptations are really, really getting to me. And because none of us are immune from falling or failing, That's why it's so important that we understand as brothers and sisters in Christ that we need one another. That we need one another. That this this church or or the church is a family for a reason. Because just like in in family, if if one of my family members are slipping and falling, I'm going to do everything that I can to help restore them. I'm going to do everything that I can to help protect them and watch over them and not let them fall and as brothers and sisters in Christ, as, as the body of Christ, we are God's family. So, so we need to understand that, that we have a responsibility to show genuine care and concern for each other. And to help each other experience God's best for their life. And one of the ways that we do that is by helping to, to restore our, our fellow Christians who are struggling with sin. Or struggling with temptation. Or struggling with a great trial. Or struggling with being a good husband. Or, or being a good wife. Or struggling with being a good, a good uh, mom. Or struggling with being a good dad. We, it, it's our responsibility as Christ followers to be able to restore one another so that all of us are experiencing God's best. As a matter of fact, you can write this down. As Christ followers, we have been charged with the ministry of restoration. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> You're like, well, I just want to worry about me, 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 me. Well, that's, that's pretty selfish. As Christ followers, you and I have been charged with the ministry of restoration to help restore people who are falling away from the truth. To help restore our brothers and sisters in Christ who are, who are not experiencing the fullness of God because maybe they're struggling with sin or they're, or they're struggling with addiction or they're struggling with temptation. Our responsibility is to restore one another. 
But before we can restore one another, there are some parameters and some guidelines that we need to understand. Because you can't, you can't just go out and, and see someone who's struggling and sin and go out and think that you're just, you, know, you know all the, the step-by-step instruction to do and start trying to bring them in. Because if you aren't right in your life, if you aren't in a season where you're truly experiencing the things of God, you're going to end up falling victim to some of the same things that they're falling victim to. So there are some parameters and some guidelines that we must follow. And all of these are listed in, in Galatians chapter 6. So let's read verses one, verse 1 again and then continue on down to verse number 3. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... Now he's not... Let me clarify. He, he's... In matter of fact, in some translations, he says, if, if any of you are caught in a sin, or if, a, if another believer is caught in sin. So he's not talking about unbelievers here. Okay? I'll prove that to you here in a moment when we read from the book of James. But he's talking about when, when one of our, our fellow Christians is caught in a sin. Okay? Watch what he says. He says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. Some translations say bear one another's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, which is love. You truly love them. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. In other words, if you think that you're too good to go and help that person, or if you think that you're better than them, and you know, they've fallen into a trap, but you would never do that, the Apostle Paul said, you're, you're only fooling yourself. They're a human being just like you're a human being. So he lists in here, and I'm going to pull out three things that he lists here, but he lists in here some parameters and some guidelines for how, what are some things that we should know when we're going to restore our brothers and sisters who have wandered from the truth. So if you're, if you're taking notes this morning, first of all, number one, you must be living by the Spirit. And I have bolded and and um, underline this word you. And I highly encourage you to do that. Italicize it, highlight it, circle it, draw an arrow to it with a big old star exclamation. You, everybody say you. You must be living by the Spirit. If you're going to restore one of your brothers and sisters in Christ who have fallen away, before you do that, you must be living by the Spirit. Now, don't assume just because you're a Christian that you're living by the Spirit. Now, this is tough. I know because when I first say this, you're going to think, what? I, I thought that, you know, because you're a Christian, that means that you're living by the Spirit. You're, you're going you're to see something here in just a second. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're living by the Spirit. So Paul is emphasizing here, he says, if you're going to restore another believer Make sure that you are living by the Spirit. He says, you who live by the Spirit should restore this person. Living by the Spirit means that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in all actions, all behaviors, all words, and all thoughts. But how many realize this is not a constant reality that we live in? Oh, I know it. Well, it is for, it's, it's not for me, okay? For some of you, you're all holy and mighty and you don't, you don't ever, you don't ever <laughs> get in the flesh and operate out of the flesh. 
Living, living by the Spirit means that you're, you're always allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in, in everything that you do, everything that you say, even in your thought process, that he is, He's always leading you. And this is not a constant reality for any of us because we're all human beings. And, and as long as we have this flesh, we're, we're going to be in a constant battle, or our, I should say our spirit's going to be in a constant battle with this flesh. How many knows what I'm talking about? You, you, you're living in the flesh. As long as I live in this flesh, I'm never going to be immune from temptations. Temptations don't just say, oh, we can't, well, we can't tempt Scott any longer because you know, he, he's a child of God. No, temptations are always going to be there. It's not a sin to be tempted. Even Jesus himself was tempted in all points as we are, yet he did not sin. But sometimes we're not walking in the Spirit, and so we're prone to give in to those temptations. It, it's funny, if you go back and read this, and we're not going to do it this morning, but how many realize that chapter 5 comes before chapter 6? Okay, a few of us. All right. At the end of chapter number 5 of Galatians, Paul, once again, he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. He's talking about this struggle between the Spirit and the flesh. And he says there that, he says the Holy Spirit is going to want to lead you. And then your flesh is also going to want to lead you. And those two forces are going to be in a constant battle with the one another. And then he gives, us some, he gives us a list of some of the results of what it looks like when you're being led by each of those. He says, um, if you're being led by your flesh... Here are some of the things that are going to be a result. It, sexual immorality, impurities, outburst of anger. Okay, so I'm just trying to let you know that we don't, we don't live in a constant reality to where we 24-7, 365, we're always living by the Spirit. Because there are times where we have outbursts of anger. There are times where we experience envy or jealousy or just, you know, we just... Road rage. I mean, you just, you call, I mean, you maybe you don't verbally say it, but someone pulls out in front of me and you're like, you just, you, what an idiot. You know, you moron. You just, that, how many realize that's not a, that's not a characteristic of, of walking in the Spirit? Y'all realize that, right? Okay, I just make sure I'm preaching to the right crowd today. So, so Paul gives us, he gives us, he's, here's some of the results of, of living in the flesh. They're going to be all these things. He says, and then here are some results of, of, of living in the Spirit which we know them as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? So, so he's telling us in chapter 5 at the end of it, he's saying, brothers, here's what you got to know. He says, these two forces are going to be at war with one another. And if you're, if you're living by the Spirit, here's what it's going to look like. And if you're living by the flesh, here's what it's going to look like. He says your spirit wants to lead and your flesh wants to lead and these two forces are going to be constantly fighting against one another. I'm taking the time to tell you this this morning and to separate the difference because Paul specifically says if you're going to help restore another believer, you must be living by the Spirit. I can't help save someone who's drowning if I'm drowning myself. So, so before we get ready to, to try to restore one of our fellow uh, brothers and sisters, one of our fellow uh, Christians, before we can do that, we have to make sure that we are living by the Spirit. 
That the Holy Spirit is, is controlling our lives. So first of all, very important, first of all, when we get ready to restore another believer who's wandered from the truth, we must be living by the Spirit. Second thing, when it comes to helping a fellow Christian who is struggling with sin, we have to do it in the spirit of gentleness. We have to do it in the spirit of gentleness. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 again, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, if one of you or someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now, I said the spirit of gentleness because some, some translations of the Bible actually say the spirit of gentleness. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And to restore someone with the spirit of gentleness means that you do it with humility and grace. And this one, this one's very, very touching. To, re, to restore another Christian who, who is caught in sin with the spirit of, of gentleness means that you're not, you're not throwing stones. Hello? That, that, that you're not condemning. That you're not gossiping. Man, I, I could really hit on this. Do you know, I, I don't know if hate's the right word, but... But, but God doesn't like gossipers. And I, I just want to say this. That's, that seems to be where, where a lot of Christians are when, when, one of, when one of our brothers and sisters in Christ falls victim to sin. Or they stumble. Instead of praying for them, and instead of trying to reach down and help them and, and, and restore them to the life of godliness, we, we, we want to talk about them. We want to get on the phone and, and call our friends. Man, did you, did you hear about did you hear about so and so? Did you hear what they did at work the other day? Did you see those photos they put on Facebook the other day? Did you see all the alcohol on the table? <laughs> just I know I just caused some of you to perk up just then. Have you been looking at my Facebook? <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you did you hear what happened to them? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? This is our tendency as Christ. We're supposed to be Christ followers, and that's our tendency. Instead of trying to help restore them, because after all, we're not living right in the first place to even be in a situation to be able to help them. So we want to talk about them because for some strange reason, it makes us feel better. Well, you know, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. The spirit of gentleness means you realize, but man, if it, if it wasn't for the grace of God, that would be me. And there, there's humility that's there. You recognize, man, they're a human being just like I'm a human being. That could have been me. I've done some things. I've got some secret sins in my life. And so there's that humility that's there. There's that grace that's there that you want to reach out and help restore them. You're not talking about them behind their back. You're not condemning. That's your brother and sister who needs your help. Who needs your love. Who needs your support. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this. It says, You, speaking of the believer, must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though He was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, He gave up His divine privileges. He took, He did what? He, he humbled Himself. He took the humble position of a slave and was born 
as a human being. When he appeared in human form, look at this, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Just as Christ showed grace and humility to all of us, we are to show grace and humility to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are trapped in sin. Who have wandered away from the truth. Why? Because we have a responsibility to our brothers and sisters who are drifting away to reach out to them in the spirit of gentleness and to bring them back into the truth and the life of godliness. Write this down. God uses His people to keep His people and to bring back those who are wandering from the truth. God uses His people, who is that? That's us. To keep His people and to bring back those who are wandering from the truth. He uses us. Let me show you this scripture in James chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. This is, this is very important. James says this. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, he's writing to us, he's writing to the church, he's talking about us as Christians. If someone among you, okay, so he's writing to the church family, he's saying that if one of you believers wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Now, now let me just say this, because I know that this opens up a whole can of worms about eternal security and things like that. And, I, and I've talked about this before, and I, I don't want to make this the, the message this morning. But I do believe that, that we can stop trusting in Jesus for our salvation. I've, I did a whole message on this before. I do believe that there can come a point to where we're, just, we're living and practicing sin every single day of our life and we've stopped trusting in Jesus for our salvation, which, which means that we've walked away from our, from our walk with God. And this is what James is saying here. He says, when, when one of you, when, when, when someone among you, when they wander away from the truth, they've stopped trusting God for their salvation. They've just, they're just habitually living this, this life of, 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 of sin and, and completely uh, just walked away from trusting God and their salvation. He says, when you go and restore them, you're bringing back a sinner. You're bringing back someone who's walked away from the truth. And when you do that, you are saving that person from death. Once again, as Christ followers, we have been charged with the ministry of restoration. You have an assignment. You've been charged with the ministry of restoration. And we do that, first of all, we make sure that we're living by the Spirit. Secondly, we make sure that when, that when we do it, that we're doing it in the spirit of gentleness. And then thirdly, when you're helping a fellow Christian who is struggling in sin, you must be willing to get involved in their fight. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Here's, Paul is saying, you've got, you got to get involved in their fight. You've got to enter the fight with them. 
they're in a tremendous battle. And the devil is doing every single thing that he can right now to try to destroy their family. To try to destroy their character. The devil is fighting them hard. I know you want, to, you, you, you want to sit around and talk about them and think, well, I've never had to experience anything right now, but your brother needs you right now. Your sister needs you right now. She is in an all-out war. And you've got to be willing to get involved in their fight. The devil's throwing every dart that he can at them, and they're, they're, they're fading away. And they need someone to help in their fight. They need someone to get in their corner and fight with them. They need someone to encourage them. They need someone to love them and pray for them. They need someone to get in and look in their face and say, what are you doing? That's not the life that God has for you. They don't need someone to condemn them from a distance and throw stones at them and, and just, you know, from a distance, pray, pray for them. They need someone to get involved in the fight with them. Someone who can be there to tell them, you're going to pull through this. I know things may be hard right now, and I know that you may be thinking that there's no way that you can overcome this, that you've fallen too far, but God is going to pull you through, and I'm going to be there to walk through this valley with you. They need someone to be a warrior for them and step into their battle and help them fight. I just want to say this, and I know some of you are going to think that this is heresy, that this is not biblical, but, but sometimes it's simply too much for us to try to do it on our own. Now, I'm not talking about just so always we, should, we need God, okay? But I'm just saying there are, some things, there are some battles that we're facing and we're trying to walk through it on our own. And I'm just here to tell you there are some things that we fight. They are, just, they are just too much for you to try to overcome on your own. That we need one another. We need our church family. See, this is, this is the image, and, 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 and God's been you know, reminding me of this, that you know, it's not an accident that our church is called The Refuge. You know, this, this never needs to place, be a place to where we walk in and, and we pretend like that we've got it all together, that, man, if, if someone knew what I was struggling with, that they would, you know, they would cast me out or they would throw stones or they would think I'm weak. Listen, that's this, why we're here. We need one another. We all, we all have shortcomings. We all struggle with things. And there are some things that are too big for me to fight on my own. There's some things that I, sometimes I'm tr very transparent with my lead team. I say, man, there's some things that I'm dealing with. I, I need your help. I need your prayer. And that's the beauty of the, of the church family. We're, we're to be here for one another, to help restore one another. And sometimes we need that person to, to, to step in our fight with us and help us fight because it's too, it's too much for me. I'm going to read this, this story to you real quick and then I'm going, to, I'm going to wrap this up. But Most of you know this story, but in Exodus chapter number 17, beginning at verse 8, it says this. It says, While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. And Moses commanded Joshua, Choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I'm going to stand at the top of the hill and I'm going to hold the staff of God in my hand. That's very important, okay? Because we can't do this without God. He says, I'm going to hold the staff of God in my hand. 
Verse 10, So Joshua did what Moses had commanded, and he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. Look at this, look at this next part, verse 11. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites, that's God's people, had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Look at verse 12. Moses' arm soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. Look at verse 13. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Here's what I want you to see. Yeah, for for a lot of us, this is just an Old Testament story, but it has significant meaning to us today. Moses was doing all he he could do to keep the the staff of, of God up in the air. And as long as he could do that, the Israelites were winning. But after a while, his his arms began to get tired. And he on his own couldn't hold them up any longer. And as they begin to come down, the the Israelites begin to lose the battle. And Aaron and Hur, which I think is is an ironic name for a male, but... But by her and, and Aaron, they, 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 they get Moses and they realize, man, if, if we don't support him, if we don't encourage him, if we don't help him in this battle, we're going to lose. So they find a rock for him to sit on and say, Moses, you sit down for a while and we're going to help you fight. We're going to get in this battle with you. I know that you're tired, but we're going to help hold up your arms so that we can win, that we can be victorious. You see, this is where you need to understand something this morning. There are so many of you today, I believe there are people that are sitting under the sound of my voice this morning, and you're struggling in your fight. Maybe it's not an outright sin, but maybe you're just struggling with temptation. I mean, you're on the verge of doing something very detrimental. You're on the verge of doing something that could cause catastrophe and disaster in your family and your job. And, you, and you, maybe you're trying to do all the right things, but for whatever reason, you're in this season right now and you're just tired of fighting. You're struggling. But you come to church and you're pretending like everything is okay. I'm here to tell you something this morning that our responsibility as your fellow Christians and your brothers and sisters in Christ is to come along beside you and to help you fight. John, I know that you may be tired and you may be hurt and you may be going through a great trial in your life, but I'm here to support you, man. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to get in your corner and help you fight. You are not gonna go down this road. I'm gonna help you. Now you can't just do that with anyone. It takes some wisdom there. But this is, this is what I mean by, by we as believers are called to the ministry of restoration. When's the last time that we, that we did that? When's the last time where we saw one of our brothers and sisters in Christ who was going down the wrong road? That, that, we were, that we knew that we were full of the Holy Spirit. We reached out to them in love and said, Greg, what are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm not going to let you go down this road. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be there in your corner. I'm going to help you. Your family needs you. Our church needs you. Dylan, what are you doing, man? 
I'm going to help you. I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to pray for you. How, how can I pray? How can I help? See, that, that's the place that we have to be as Christ followers. We have to be in a place to where we're reaching out to, to our brothers and sisters and helping restore them back into the full experience of godliness. And God has called us to do that. We can't just sit back and watch one of our own fall away. We can't just sit back and do nothing when we know that they're slowly slipping away. We have a responsibility to restore those who are wandering from the truth. To restore those who are hurting. To restore those who are falling away. To restore those who have fallen away from the life of God. But there are some parameters that we must put in place if we're going to do that. We must be living by the Spirit, number one. We must do it in the spirit of, of gentleness, secondly. And then thirdly, we've got to be willing to get involved in their fight. In their fight. The last point I want to leave you with is that the point of all confrontation of sin should be restoration. I want you to know that. The, the point, if, you, if, you, if you're going to confront another believer, the point of that is not to condemn. The point of that is not throw stones. The point of that is to restore them back into a life of godliness. And in order for that to happen, the church has to be a safe place that people can run to. We have to become a family that wants the best for each other. Amen? I don't even know how to end this this morning, but this, this once again, this, this name refuge, it's, it's a place where, where people, a refuge is a, is a shelter, it's a, it's, a, it's a hiding place, if you will. It's a secret place where, where one can get away from the storms of life. All the pressure and the pain and the weight that they're carrying. This, this has to be a safe place where people can come. And it's, 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 their, it's their brothers and sisters who love them, who genuinely care about them, who want to help them. I'm not going to throw stones. It's just like a hospital. When you, when you go to the hospital, you're, you're going there to get well and there's people there that want to help you. They're not going to say, well, well why did you get that disease? What, are you stupid? They're, they're not going to condemn you. They're, they're there to help you. They're there to administer pain or to medicines to you. They're there to, to, to care for your well-being. And on a grander scale, when it comes to our, 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 our spirit, when it comes to the life that God has for us, that's, that's what this place is. There are none of us that are perfect. I have heard all kinds of stories of, of things that people walk through. If I was to throw all my junk out here today, some of you would be like, oh, it may not ever want to come back. But I'm a human being. Yes, I have a past. I'm a pastor, but I carry a title, but I'm a human being. I go through things. I struggle with things. There are times when I, when I do good and, I, and I, I feel like that I'm walking in victory and there's no temptation that can touch me. And there's other times where I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? I thought I was a Christian. Come on, has anybody ever experienced that? Almost 100% agreement. See, I'm just here to help someone. You don't have to carry that pressure of trying to perform and trying to act like you've got it all together. We're all broken vessels who are in desperate need of a Savior. And the good news is, is that God loves us unconditionally. He adopted us into His family. And when you adopt a child, you know what you're getting ahead of time. 
People all the time are adopting children with disabilities and they know the pain and the hardship and the financial strain and stress that that child's going to be in the future. But even though they know about that child's disability, they're still going to bring them into their family because they love them. Here's my point. God knows you. He adopted you into His family. He knew the junk that you were going to walk through. He loves you unconditionally. And He wants to help you. He wants you to live a full experience of His presence and joy and have the, have the greatest life. The thief wants to rob you and destroy from you and steal from you, but Christ said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And this morning, I just want to invite you. I know we're, we're a few minutes late, but I never want to put a time, time limit on what God wants to do. But if you're here this morning, I'm going to ask our lead team if they'll just come and stand across the front. And if you're here this morning and you're, you're going through some things and you just need someone to stand in your corner, you don't have to expose all the junk in your life this morning, but you know that, 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 that you, you find yourself being described by what I said a while ago. You're, you're this person that's, that's coming to church, but, but you're trying to live in joy. You're trying to put on a smile. You're trying to act like everything is good, but you know that your life is a mess right now and you need someone to just stand in your corner and to fight with you. you need some, your, your arms are getting tired. You see yourself beginning to lose the battle and you need someone to come along beside you and say, it's okay, sit down for a while. I'm going to hold your arms. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight with you. And we're going to get you through this. If that's you this morning, I just want you to come. I'll come all over the room. Just begin to come and just, just begin to, 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 to reach out. Let God minister to you. Let us pray for you. Let us help fight. If there's some things that you want to disclose that you need specific prayer about, just disclose that and we're going to stay in an agreement with you that you're going to fight through this, that you're going to be victorious. Come on, I know that there are others in this room. Don't, don't be shy. Don't be bashful. But come and let, let God minister to you. Let God, let God love on you today. Let, let God heal you.